Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. One of the most difficult questions for philosophers and psychologists is how we assign blame. Why do we fault one person and praise another for the consequences of their actions when their actions were exactly the same? This week, Dan Ariely talks with Susan Wolfe, a professor of moral philosophy at the University of North Carolina, about why we blame people for outcomes beyond their control. And Susan, you are a philosopher and you're interested in luck? Uh, yes, in moral luck in particular. Moral luck. So what, yes. what's moral luck? Moral luck refers to all the different ways in which factors beyond our control, factors that are from our perspective luck, uh, affect the moral status of what we are or what we've done. So as, as usual with philosophers, I'm no better off with this explanation than I was before. Can you, can you explain it a bit simpler? Uh, by, <laughs> by, by examples. Okay, very uh, good. So, uh, one kind of moral luck would be uh, the luck of being, you know, born at a particular place and time where certain moral challenges either stare you in the face or don't. So, if you're born in, you know, 1930 in Germany, uh, you've got, you know, you got you got some decisions to make that right, are of a particular type, which will maybe, you know result in your being heroic or cowardly and do terrible things. Whereas someone who's born in 1950 in the U.S. doesn't have that kind of situation. Okay. That would be one kind of moral luck. Give me, give me another one that doesn't involve being born in one place or another. Okay, well, one I'm really interested in is luck in how your actions turn out. So a good example kind of classic example, driving. You know, let's say you drive with a certain amount of fault. And you text and drive, let's say. Well, that is a lot of fault. Oh, a lot let's, of fault. So let's start with something a little bit less faulty. Okay. Like your brakes are a little loose. They sh- should be repaired, but you're busy this week, so oh, yeah. you were going to wait. And then you're driving and a, a child runs in front of the car and you kill it. And then someone else, same situation, same degree of looseness of brakes, same degree of busyness, drives the same day, gets home, nope, nothing happens, wakes up the next morning, reads in the newspaper about your accident, and says, oh my gosh, I can't wait any longer, I will get my brakes checked Mm -hmm. the next day, and it's done. So you're basically saying that the second guy would have killed the kid if if the kid ran uh, across from them, they had the same physical... They were in the same situation situation in terms of their faultiness, in terms of their... But, but something happens. Or, or right. if we go back to texting and driving, two people text and drive, one person, a car, merges in front of them and they don't notice and they bump into them, the other one doesn't. Exactly. Or two people uh, drink, one drives home and nothing happened, right. one drives home and something terrible happens. Yes. Okay, and then the question is? Then the question is, how do we resolve the tension between a general thought that you're only responsible, blameworthy, creditworthy for what you have control over, and the standard reactions of thinking that the person who killed a child has much worse on his moral plate 
than the other, and our tendency to blame him more, to be angry with him more, to expect more. So, what, what does it? So, of course, you know, the feeling is very strong, right? One of the per- people you want to arrest and you know punish them, the other person you just want to say, "You idiot! Uh, you should have done something differently." Right. Um, where does this feeling of outrage at one and understanding of the the other come from? That's the million-dollar question. It comes from the fact that the one has caused very serious damage that the other hasn't. Um, but then. We want to step back and say, is it justified? Should I be as angry at the first as I am? Should I be angrier at the second than I am? Shouldn't they be equal? And they're not equal. They're not equal. But could it be that it's because of unobservable effects that we say we don't really believe that these two people are as... Equally faulty. Equally faulty, that the, the first guy probably did something else wrong. We're just not capturing it with the situation. We, we just don't fully understand, or maybe we kind of have the Hindu perspective on life. You know, in previous life, they did yes. something bad, and yes. they don't have a, an angel guarding them anymore. They've run out all of their right. good Well, karma. I, of course, you never know. In cases like driving, I mean, there's no way to know how faulty is someone. But, but given that there's no way to know, I, it doesn't seem to me sufficient to to explain the apparent paradox because even if we even if we stipulate they're exactly the same we can't really we, can, we don't feel we don't feel the blameworthiness in the same way right well and I don't even think we ought to feel the blameworthiness in the same way I don't think the the, the driver himself ought to feel, feel it the same way yeah uh, I mean if, if the one if the first driver just said well I didn't do anything worse than this guy who you know got his brakes checked the next day that would be an appalling weak response and if the second guy said oh my gosh I could have killed someone and, and starts losing sleep over the fact that he could have that day yeah that's also kind of neurotic or yeah. something so, so, so what do we do what do we do with this well I offer an explanation <laughs> which is that what's really going on is there are two moral issues going on at the same time that aren't usually distinguished or, or noticed the one is how much do you how faulty is the person for his behavior, equally yeah. faulty is the answer, by stipulation. The second is, how does the person react to what is the consequence of the, his behavior? The outcome, yeah. And since they had different outcomes, the questions are different for them. Yeah. We have an expectation and a, and a hope that people take responsibility for the consequences of their actions in a somewhat expansive way, especially when harm is involved, that when a person does something that leads to a bad consequence, even if they're not terribly faulty, they should... should, um, But is is it right? I mean, would you want people to do, to be like this, or is this this wrong? No, I think it's right. I think we want... They should? Yes, I think we should. (laughs) And, and, And the reason that people should is because, you know, all of a sudden you say, my blameworthiness um, is is based on luck, not based on outcomes. So we're kind of reinforcing people's... Imagine you lived in a world in which 99% of the outcomes are random and you have control over 1%. Yes. In that situation, would you still want people to just feel blame and, and also happiness when things go well based on outcomes or based on their actions? I think that description is artificial and inapplicable to life because the What's going on in these cases is that it's the actions, but actions are not, you can't purify your action to being, this is just, this is the part of my action or the part of the consequences of my action 
that I'm in control of and this other part I'm not in control of. So, so I think about driving. I, I would love cars to be equipped with um, sensors, about what, sensors about what people actually do. Uh-huh. And if somebody has a terrible accident, but they've done everything they sh- could have done well, yes. then we shouldn't blame them. Because I think about the learning cycle, right? If you have a learning cycle with lots of things outside of your control, it, it's a very demoralizing to work in a world like this. Yes, right. So, so I think we, maybe we should work toward the world in which we stop praising people for lucky things that happen to them and blaming them for unlucky things that happen to them. Well, I wasn't suggesting that we, take, we don't make any notice of which yeah. parts, you know, how much of it had to do with your action, your will, your efforts, and how much didn't. Of course it makes a difference, but ask yourself how you think the driver himself should feel. Let's say the sensor said, you drove fine. You did everything you could have. You did everything anyone can expect of you to do. That should make him feel less bad about what he did. Uh, That seems correct. But do you think he should feel, well then, I'm just like the person who didn't hit a child? Uh, if you believe the sensors, then I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> maybe. I think we don't, shows... we don't. We don't have these sensors, okay. of course, like this. Let, let me ask you the last question. Um, have you used this research to try and get out of people blaming you for stuff? Like you go to faculty meeting, fighting with your significant other, with kids, and you say, hey, it's really not my fault. It's No, the research, is, unfortunately, goes the other way. The research tells me, oh, so there's a virtue of taking responsibility for things that oh, I didn't I fully control. And so, in fact, what it leads me to do is apologize for things that I know I didn't do wrong. So that's, that's usually yeah. what men do, right? Honey, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and that's they expect, it? Yes, so, the, yeah. right, that is an unfortunate result. Men should read my <laughs> research and, and take the same lesson. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University. To further expand your understanding of dishonesty, irrationality, and other human quirks, go to danarielli.com.